Hello, colleagues, and welcome to another Five for Friday episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Today's shout out goes to Matt Shelton, a brand new assistant principal of instruction and curriculum who shared with me via LinkedIn direct message. I stumbled upon your podcast and now I'm addicted. I've been a classroom teacher since 2006 and am now looking into the prospects of being an assistant principal for the upcoming school year. I love the format of your podcasts and am trying to absorb every bit of wisdom from you and your guests. I also thoroughly enjoy how you work your sports background in from time to time. Looking forward to more of your shows. Matt, thank you. And since making this uh, direct message to me, Matt has gotten that job as I just referenced. So Matt, congratulations, brand new assistant principal. I'm excited that you may be joining our mentoring program and am definitely looking forward to walking this journey with you a bit more closely. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Today's episode of Five for Friday recaps the strategic leadership emails for the week of July 31st through August 4th, 2023. On Monday, I recapped for daily email listeners a story that I shared on last Friday's podcast about Pam and I's hike on the Penine Way and those first few days where we had a little bit of tension in trying to figure out are we walking from village to village and focused on the villages or are we focused on the hike itself? Because focusing on a hike is different than focusing on a tour of villages. And until we really came to a clear understanding of what our actual intention was, we were having some frustrating moments. And so that was what Monday's daily email was about. After recording that podcast on, and relaying that story, I saw a couple articles that to me drove this point home. The school district's fifth grade reading scores are low. So they're implementing a new reading program and will use the state test scores to determine the success of the program. But what's the purpose? Is it simply to raise test scores? And if that's not the purpose of education, then what we're doing is we're focusing on a fake accountability measure. And when we do that, the district loses sight, not only of the purpose, but of the problem. What if 50% of the fifth grade reading teachers are in their first two years of teaching? They're still trying to figure it out. What if every AP and instructional coach in the district has turned over in the past three years and those new teachers aren't getting the support? A program isn't the answer to either of those challenges, but because we're measuring the wrong thing, because we don't have clarity on our purpose on why we're doing this, 
Then we implement a program that will be counterproductive, not because it's a bad program, but because it doesn't address the real problem. And the energy, the resources of time and attention that go into putting in the program are not available for addressing the real problem. So one of the things that I encourage people to do coming out of Monday was to really question if actions and programs are aligned to the actual purpose for which they're being implemented. On Tuesday, I talked about two of my prime strategies for increasing my productivity, dramatically increasing my productivity, time blocking and using a task timer. Now, these strategies are only productive if I'm focused on the right thing. And that's where a lot of us miss the boat. We use time management strategies, but we apply them to task management. In other words, working in quadrant three, right? The urgent, but not important. The thing is to get into quadrant two, the important, but not urgent, and then use those time strategies in order to maximize your productivity in quadrant two. So that's the key. Time management is good, but it only works if you're trying to manage the right thing, which is managing your priorities. So time blocking is actually all about organizing around your priorities. I identify the three things that are the priorities that have to get done for the day. And then I block time in the day to do those. Now, some of these are repetitive things. I know now on Mondays, I'm going to write the daily emails and I'm going to record the assistant principal podcast. There are other things that happen on other days every week. And as I work, if something comes up that I know is going to be important, if I'm giving a presentation or doing some teaching at some point, I know then that developing the materials for that become a priority. And so even if that teaching is a month out, I'll take the development of the materials and I will drop that into my schedule, right? So my schedule gets, some of it is pre-built, some of it gets built as I move through things. And then at the end of each day, I can look and see what I already have scheduled for next day, for the next day, what the gaps are, look at how much time I have available and I can think about, okay, what are my priorities? What really has to get done tomorrow in addition to what's, what's already there? I try to keep it to three priorities because as soon as I do more than that, I start to get overwhelmed. So using time blocking, my calendar is structured to show what I'm doing at what times. And this is really powerful because it keeps me on track. It keeps me working in my priorities. And if I'm going to do something else and I have to break my calendar and I track what I do. So then I'm actually have to go into my events and move stuff around and change the time. And that means I'm being really intentional when I decide to take a longer lunch, or I decide that I need to go run some errands. I, I know you working in schools don't have that luxury, but we can decide to do different things. Right. And I need to be really intentional. The time blocking forces me to be intentional about what I'm doing. And if I'm going to change out of my priorities, I have to be really intentional about that. It doesn't just happen. The second piece then is using a task timer and I'm on a Mac and Mac actually has a clock app. And when I open that app, I get a square thing that has a clock reading on it. 
and it just sits on my desktop so that I can see it and I know how much time I have left left to complete a given task. So what I do is I figure out how long a task will take me. So the daily email should take me about 60 minutes and I set the timer and I go. And what this does is it stops me from doing all those little things that would take my attention away from the daily email. I don't, when a message pops up on the upper side of your computer saying so-and-so text you, or you have this incoming message, or I'm working on something and I think, oh, I should go check that. I, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to do anything except what I'm focused on because I've budgeted a specific amount of time and the clock is running. And so this keeps me hyper-focused. When I'm good, when I'm disciplined about doing my time blocking and my task timing, I'm super, super productive, but I have to give you a few disclosures. Like I'm not always successful about following through with using both of these things, especially if my mental state isn't great, then I slip. Now, on the days that I implement this fully, honestly, I'm mentally exhausted. Like the pressure of the timer can be a bit much, but on the positive side, I really think I'm about three times as productive when I combo these two strategies. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. Like I get a lot done in a short period of time. I'm also better at saying no to the things that I don't have time for. And I work fewer hours. I think that should speak to many of you. So just, you don't have to adopt these two things, but I want you to think about how you organize your day. And when do you build in time to support and grow your teachers? Where is that built in in your day? Because it should be built in every day. And if it's not built in every day, then it's not a priority, right? So that's an absolutely critical point. So think about how you structure your day. What are the, what are the things that you use? What are the tools or the methods you use? They don't have to be the same as mine, but they should have a similar impact. They should help you focus on your priorities and they should help protect that time so that you're really, really efficient with the use of the time on your priorities. On Wednesday, I celebrated, I think that's the right word, my interview with Natalia Mejia. She was the North Carolina 2023 beginning teacher of the year. And just oh, what a powerful person, what an amazing person coming into education. And it gives me hope. I hope it gave you hope too, if you listen to that episode. And one of the things Natalia said was that when her, at the beginning of the day, when her students come into class, she says, I am so glad you are here. So close your eyes. Imagine coming into work each day and people stopping, looking at you and smiling and saying, I am so glad you're here. What would that do for you? The amazing thing though, is that we can do that for other people each day. The tragedy is that oftentimes we're too busy. I don't have time to bask in the beauty of human connection right now. I need to go check my email. And we walk by people and we miss those opportunities to say, oh, 
it's so great to see you today. So you're listening to this on a Friday, but maybe sometime this weekend, or if you can carry it into Monday, just say to someone, I'm so glad to see you and mean it. Thursday was another one of those emails about something that I read during the week. And it was a study about people and their phones. So researchers divided people into two groups and they put people together for 30 minutes with people they didn't know. One group of people had their phones. The other group did not have their phones. And what they found was the group of people that did not have their phones reported much more enjoyment and satisfaction out of being with those people that they didn't know. Now, this was very specific to meeting with people that you didn't know. But to me, it just seems to make a lot of sense. And I ask you to think about these two things. People who had their phones used their phones. And so I think if that's true in a group of strangers, it's probably true when you're out with people. In fact, I see that. I see it all the time. The second thing is that people who did not use their phones were happier with the interactions. So in other words, this wasn't about who you were with. It was about whether you had your phone or not. So if you want to increase your happiness, if you want to increase your connectivity with other human beings, leave your phone in your office. You probably have a walkie-talkie. So people can get a hold of you. Leave your phone in your office. When you're going out with people, leave your phone in the car, leave it at home, put it on silent and put it in your pocket and just leave it. You'll be happier. The people you're with will be happier. They'll feel more valued and you will have a bigger impact as a leader. On Friday, I shared my morning routine. And again, I don't, I'm not always on. So I share these things with you and they sound great and they're structured really well and I believe in them, but I also am only human. So I'm not pretending that I'm super person and I'm up every day at 5.30 doing these things. It's what I aspire to do. And some days I'm really good. Some weeks I'm really good. Other times, man, I struggle. And that's okay. The important thing is being intentional and making the effort about it. So on my ideal mornings, I get up at 5.30, maybe six o'clock. I do about 40 minutes of yoga. And then I write in my journal for 30 minutes. And I have a journal, I call it my morning pages. And it can be personal things, but a lot of times it's professional. It's where I work out problems and where I come up with ideas and where I record them. So I have my morning pages that I do for about 30 minutes. I shower, eat, and then I sit down to work. Doing the yoga and doing my morning pages actually covers all four of the important tasks a good morning routine should do. First, it's that movement, right? I get my body moving. And I've said before, that movement, it doesn't have to be a workout. We can talk about whether yoga is a workout or not. Sometimes I just do five minutes. I just do 10 minutes of stretching. It's not about working out. It's about getting your body moving. The second thing then is grounding. And my yoga sessions always end with Shavasana, which is just laying full out, relaxed with your eyes closed. And for me, that's the chance to kind of ground. 
The third thing is checking in with ourselves and assessing what's our physical state. Are we feeling creative today? What's our mental outlook, our emotional state? And I do that during my journaling. That stuff always comes out. And then the fourth piece is setting a daily intention, which I also do at the conclusion of my journaling. <clears throat> I figure out, you know, what do I really need to attend to that day? And am I going to be able to get that done? And what do I need to bring to my work? Again, I'm far from perfect in my execution, but when I do execute, I'm happier, I'm more productive, and I'm calmer. Remember, the morning routine is the second of the four essentials. And if you have a great one already, kudos to you. And if you're still trying to figure it out, I'll talk to you in a minute about how I can get some support, how you can get some support from me. So what's the takeaway from this week? It's really about being purposeful and intentional. Be clear and make active decisions about investing in the most purposeful things. Be intentional about making decisions to take the actions that actually address the issue and will make things better. Adapt and adjust change implementation to align with the problem you're trying to fix. Be intentional with your time. This means ordering your day around your priorities and holding yourself accountable for staying focused and making progress. Intentionally tell people that they matter. Greet them with that enthusiastic, I'm so glad you're here, or it's good to see you, or hey, Jimmy. And remember, you get to choose that in every interaction. You get to choose how you show up for everybody you interact with. Intentionally leave your phone behind. Intentionally prioritize human connectedness and relationships. Because remember, if you have your phone, you'll use it. But if you don't have it, you won't use it. And finally, begin your day intentionally by doing the things which will keep you strong and healthy. Move, ground yourself, check in with yourself, and set your daily intention. That's this week's Five for Friday rendition of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Thank you for including me on your leadership journey. If you'd like to walk more with me, I have a couple simple ways you can do it. One is to invest no money, but a little bit of time and download our free checklist on building your support network. When you do that, you'll also get access to our free course on the other three essentials, which includes building that healthy morning routine. You could choose to invest $9 a month and about 20 minutes of your time to become a supporting member of our community. You'll get early and unfettered access to our free courses, a discussion area, a library of past content, and the occasional webinar. You'll also be helping me to continue investing both time and money in producing this podcast, writing the daily email, and producing free content. Finally, you can become a full member of our Apex community and join me for monthly group coaching, mentoring, and lots of other perks. You can get the details and links for all of these things on my website at frederickbuskey.com. I look forward to seeing you again next Tuesday when we look at how to support veteran teachers. I'm tempted to say this will be especially valuable for new assistant principals. That's who I'm writing it for, but honestly, 
the way our teacher PD model is structured, I think this will be a powerful episode for everyone. You may already know if you've been following me for a while, but I'm going to challenge you on the norms, the assumptions, and the methods that we bring to our professional development. So it should be fun. Please remember to subscribe and rate this podcast. Rating the show helps others find it. And if you want to be a super fan, consider leaving a review. Again, you'll be helping other people to find the show and you'll make me smile. And maybe you'll even find yourself getting a shout out at the top of the episode. Okay, that's it. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Cheers. Mm-hmm.